Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special midweek roundup of the Fox and Fallon podcast. We just dropped our latest podcast of the NFL schedule recap on Monday. Yeah. It's kind of our little midweek teaser, I guess. There's not, you know, not every week has enough going on that it's worth doing one of these, but we are together in LA anyway. We had a microphone in front of us and there was no reason for us not to talk about some of the stuff that's going on. So we figured, why not? I mean, number one, the first thing to address is the fact that the Pacers were just swept by the Celtics. It was and a very good day in Boston yesterday. It was a great day in Boston yesterday. It was a great day for sports in general, but specifically in, in Beantown for sure. Um, it's funny because we're heading into this postseason. We did, had no idea what the Celtics were going to do in the playoffs, and it seemed like the Pacers might be a good matchup for them, and it turns out we were wrong. The Celtics swept the Pacers in a pretty convincing fashion, yeah. and we also saw the emergence of playoff Kyrie, mm-hmm. who took over the reins as the superstar of the team, as we always thought. Tanya, you got some crazy stats to run down yeah, on I mean, playoff Kyrie so offensively. Ky- yeah, so Kyrie in general is, um, he, he has a reputation for being a great playoff player. We knew that going into the season. We knew that when we when he joined the Celtics. Um, but the, in light of what just happened, in light of them going 4-0, it's kind of become the new thing to look at his career playoff stats and, and marvel and kind of drool at them. And that was something that we weren't really paying attention to before because we were distracted by all of his shenanigans. But Kyrie Irving is a perfect 16-0 and over four series sweeps between the Cavaliers and the Celtics in his, in his career. He has never lost a first-round playoff game, okay? That is an excellent statistic for somebody that over the last couple of years has sort of seemed like he's been dropping the ball, no pun intended. It's one of those things that creeps up on you for a really good player, and then all of a sudden when Kyrie is just by himself, he's not with LeBron, he's not on the Cavaliers, this is his first playoff debut with the Celtics. Is it? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, he was out He was out last year. He didn't play. So it was his playoff debut with the Celtics, and he sparkled in a big way. We kind of stepped back and said, God damn, he has a perfect playoff resume. And you're talking about a guy that, I mean, he went in game two. He ripped off 37 points. He he scored nine straight in the fourth quarter, a double-digit comeback. Not only is he scoring, but when they're double-teaming him, obviously, he's dishing out assists. And it's also... Mind you, Tanya, bringing back the chemistry of the Celtics in the biggest way possible. A team that started out 10-10 and 10 this year, didn't have anything going on. Gordon Hayward, did, they had no identity. And all of a sudden, they've reverted back to that original lineup that they went to at the beginning of the year. They're starting to integrate off the bench. The Celtics could be clicking at the right moment, at the right time. At least that's what it seems. Yeah, it is. The bench is a good point too because they were sort of they were sort of the big story of Game Four, and it's just sort of it, it's it's hard not to marvel at the fact that Kyrie is you know that he's doing something that's never been done. I mean, no player since the NBA ABA merger has done what he's doing. Done even played ten opening round games without losing, let alone well, sixteen. I mean, that is a wild streak and then you add that to the fact that Jason Tatum has started to find a little bit of a rhythm within the system which was part of the problem that people people wondered you know he was the hero of the playoffs last season when they made it all the way to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals and then you all of a sudden you bring Kyrie in and it was pretty clear the chemistry wasn't there things are starting to click now Gordon Hayward's starting to come in and do his Gordon Hayward thing which is wild and hopefully that wasn't just a thing because he was playing Indiana this will you know the idea is that it continues on 
Um, but I would say that the Celtics are by far, um, they're the story of the, of the playoffs in the East, you know, so uh, there's a lot going on in the West. We won't be talking about that today, but, for, but as far as the Eastern conference, they are currently, uh, when you look at, when you look at top to bottom roster makeup, I think that they're their team to be. And the question of Kyrie is he's always been this good until he's not. And I'm talking about when he's double teamed, when he hits a slump postseason. I you don't know if that's going to happen when he plays the Milwaukee Bucks. They could have some magic sauce that's going to turn off his offensive power. It's going to turn off his vision, or he could get hurt. So I mean, there's a lot of ifs in this conversation, but I like the fact that really the chemistry, as we said before, the chemistry is coming up, and you have the young guys, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Don't forget Al Horford. He's kind of the steady hand Old in all faithful, of this for sure. Um, the Celtics, Brad Stevens, very happy. They got this four-game sweep. Their next opponent is the Greek Freak. I'm not even going to attempt to say his last name. I will try. Giannis Antetokounmpo. I've been practicing. and uh, I have yeah, not. Yeah, he's, he's an MVP candidate. He's incredible. Oh, and he's, he's unbelievable. And and that's going to be a challenge that, the, that the, the, the Celtics did not face against the Pacers because... Victor Oladipo was out, and they just didn't have all their guns going. Um, but you know, we'll that we'll cross that bridge when we get there because technically the Bucks haven't locked up their spot yet. Second topic of the day: top headlines. The LA Times saying that Magic Johnson is still recruiting players to play for the Lakers, and Jeannie Buss says that she has no plans in replacing Magic Johnson's role. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's one of those decisions that, on the surface, sounds nuts, and it really speaks to. or it at least lends itself to sort of our conspiracy theories about the issues within the Lakers organization. But um, if you dig a little bit deeper, you realize that this actually might be exactly the role Magic Johnson sort of should have had in the Lakers front office. Yeah, cheerleader. He should have been pom-poms on the side. Hey, come come play play for the Lakers Lakers, Absolutely. He should have been that guy with no, none of the other, um, uh, none of the other crap that goes with it. And Jeannie's decision to not replace him right now, I guess that gives us an idea of what they're thinking in terms of head coach, because they obviously think whoever they're going to bring in can do some of that role in some way or absorb some of that role in some way. So I don't hate it. Um, It definitely isn't a, it's not the best look for Jeannie just because magic kind of threw her under the bus. And now she's, yeah, now she's, She's kind of letting him go. But, like, you know, we talked about this on the podcast when we last talked about it. We know Jeannie and Magic are close. That's never going to stop. The fact that he kind of acted like a, a douchebag by announcing his, you know, resignation without telling her, I'm sure they had that their arguments behind the scenes. But, you know, they're obviously fine. And it's better to be fine with Magic Johnson when you're running the Lakers than for you to not be fine with them. I think it's one of those situations where you have a top executive who is suddenly fired from a team or steps away from the team, and then secretly behind the scenes, he's really consulting for his old job. It's kind of, I mean, that yeah, happens, happens. It right. happens a lot in corporate America, and right. I think that's kind of what it's happening that's a good right point. now. Yeah. Um, moving along, MLB, Aaron Judge, a significant oblique strain. He will be out for the Yankees, another huge blow to their roster. This makes me very happy. The the most the Red Sox have fallen on their face the first half of the season. We talked about this before. Don't talk to me about baseball and who's good and who's bad until the middle of July. That's where the real season starts. But the Red Sox really needed to make up some ground on the Yankees and the Rays, and they did a double dose of that this weekend. 
almost by default. I don't want to speak ill about someone who has injuries, but right. this is a huge hit to the Yankees' offensive production. And along with them losing and the Red Sox winning a sweep over the Tampa Bay Rays, who topped the AL East, they made up a lot of ground, and now suddenly they're only two and a half back of the Yanks. Like you said, we don't want to make light of injuries. We never want to see players get injured. But the fact of the matter is, the ha- most of the Yankees, like they're, they've got a literal starting roster of players that are injured right now. Um, Severino's injured right now, uh, and Batances as, as well. Um, Tulawitsky, Gregorius, like all these guys are all injured right now. So it, that now is the time to sort of try to make up the ground on them. And that's not to say we're we're cheering their their injuries, but you know that's sports. And when you have a chance to kind of put the knife in a little deeper while you have the chance to do it, you got to take it. And the Red Sox seem like they're starting to find a little bit of a groove. Um, David Price pitched really well the other day against the Rays. That was exciting to see because the starting pitching has been a little rough. So the AL East is kind of funky right now. Uh, it was the first few weeks of the season for the AL East were like the exact opposite of what everyone was expecting. And now we're starting to see, you know, a little bit of the evening out of things. The Orioles are as bad as we thought. The Red Sox aren't as bad as we thought. The Rays maybe aren't as good as we thought. Okay, we're back to we're back to reality a bit now. Of course, the big topic of the weekday here is the NFL draft that is coming up this Thursday in Nashville, Tennessee. There's a lot of news and headlines that are going to be coming out of the woodworks as we get closer to Thursday night. As we mentioned before, we will have some sort of a live reaction draft show um, after the drafts. I know that the first round of the draft is always my favorite thing. The big storyline this week had to have been when the Raiders and Mike Mayock and John Gruden sent home all of their scouts early, I mean, midweek last week. And the word was because that they didn't trust anyone in the room to leak out information. Tanya, this is a team that has four picks in the first 35 selections, three first-round picks. We all know that they have something big up their sleeves. Mike Mayock is no stranger to the NFL draft. He has been, for years, the go-to guru for knowing everything about each combine, each player, having the inside track. I'm not surprised no, about no. this move at all. There's no way to be surprised by, first of all, there's no way to be surprised by John Gruden acting bizarre, number one. But number two, Mike Mayock's daughter actually responded to the report that they sent all their scouts home early saying, yeah, no, no big news here, guys. Like, he wouldn't leave his draft book with me, and I'm his daughter. Well, when he's he when he went to go when he guy. went to go take a piss, right? Like he was literally going to the brought and his, took it with him. Took it with it's him. It's some secretive behavior. And you know, Ian Rappaport uh, of NFL Network he reported this afternoon that the Raiders may be planning a surprise quote unquote pick with the fourth overall selection, which is what necessitated that sort of the entire idea of complete secrecy. And you and I both agree on this. It's not exactly, I don't it's know what he surprise. could do to surprise anybody. I mean, what is he going to do? Trade it? Or he's going to use it on a player that he thinks is good? I mean, the guy traded away two first-round talents last year. Like, nothing he does is going to surprise anybody. Um, and, and, and to be honest, the scouts don't need to know exactly what their no. plan is. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Do you think that this is the kind of situation where this is Gruden basically covering his, his ass so that, if he goes rogue and does something that he wasn't planning to do beforehand, or if he decides to kind of go nuts and go his own way, that the scouts won't have the information of what he was supposed to do in the first place. I think that John Gruden is the king of blowing smoke. 
and fire when there is nothing. I mean, he is the magician of puppetry and he he's the king of the poker bluff. And because no one really takes him seriously, I think that he literally had a sit down conversation and Mike Mayock said, all right, listen, John, sit your ass down. I'm taking complete control of this team. You're going to listen to me because There's no way that there happened. is absolutely every way. I know Mike Mayock. Listen, I worked the three of the last four drafts. I missed last year's draft in Dallas. But during my time while I'm working at the NFL draft, I got a chance to work pretty closely with Mike Mayock. In the 2017 draft in Philly, I kind of got a sneak peek of what he was doing with his notes and the players that he had selected. He told me, like, it was completely off limits for me to post any of this at the time. But, I mean, I think it's okay to reveal (laughs) it now. It's been two years. He had a first-round card. Actually, first round, and then on the other side, it was second and third rounds. In this card, he had selected predictions for each pick for each team. Tanya, he nailed 28 of the 32 selections on points. I mean, and it was, I mean, it was barely, I think the late rounds when the teams were trading down, like that, that's, that's when he missed it. This is a guy that knows exactly what the hell he is doing personnel wise. If the Raiders were smart, the reason they fired Reggie McKenzie and brought in Mike Mayock, they are giving him complete creative control. He knows exactly what he's doing. I I mean, I have to disagree a little bit just because I do agree that Mike Mayock knows exactly what he's doing when it comes to predicting the tendencies of teams and players and coaches and everything else. He's a very astute media man. However, he's never been a general manager. And the region, reason Reggie McKenzie was fired was because John Gruden wanted a clean slate. And he got his clean slate with a guy who's never done the job before who can kind of be his the Robin to his Batman. And that's what I envision is going on behind the scenes. Now, whether you're right or I'm right, either way, I think we both can, uh, both of our stances land on the fact that whatever they do with those four picks is going to be the blueprint for how they operate going forward forward, not just in 2019, but as a pair. I mean, Gruden's on a 10-year, $100 million deal. You know that's getting tossed in the trash if he fucks up. Well, I mean, he'll get fired, but yeah. I mean, I don't think that 10-year deal means anything. It means that the Raiders are committed to at least convincing the fans that he's the face of their franchise. And if that's the case, you can't just move them to Las Vegas and and boot him. So that's, The the, the fans are going to follow them anywhere that they go. You've heard the story that Robert Kraft said the first time they ever sold out Gillette Stone was Foxborough Stadium Mm -hmm. back in the mid-90s when he bought the team and they were nothing and they were the laughing stock of the NFL. The only, the first sellout that they ever had were Raiders fans. Oh, that's so and funny. And he said that at the owners' meetings when they announced their move to Las Vegas. They're always there. I think Raiders fans are are forgiving. I know that they're upset about this, but um, just given the upscale, I know this is kind of getting off 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 topic, but I mean, just give just given the rise of gambling in the NFL and how many people are you know add up to gambling. I mean, more people are going to show up. There will be fans filling the Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas. Our second and final NFL topic uh, is it's it's Kyler Murray because of course we have to talk about him right before the draft and Peter King has reported he reported in his Monday morning column that he believes Kyler Murray will be taken number one overall. 
You'd be very surprised if he wasn't. I think that's, I hate those double negatives. Yeah. He's, but, well, he thinks that to me is like, he thinks, he thinks he's going to be taken number one overall. His old buddy, Albert Breer from SI, uh, basically oh, yeah. said exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Whether or not the Cardinals are going to take Kyler Murray first overall, or whether they're going to trade that first round pick and someone else is going to take him is the real question. And there was a lot of reporting over the weekend that the Cardinals, if they were ever on Murray, have started to move off of him and are back um, and committing themselves to Josh Rosen. That was Pete Prisco of CBS Sports who was reporting that over the weekend. So the, the what is sort of congealing and forming just before the NFL draft is this idea that the Cardinals may have been pumping up the value of that pick over the last couple of months, and yeah. they're going to see what they can get for it. Yeah, I mean, I think they've already made their decision on Josh Rosen well before his season had ended last year. And nothing like a little healthy competition to make him come into the spring workouts. That's a whether, great point, yeah. Whether or not that he's going to actually stay with the team until the start in week one of the NFL season in, in 2019. But, I mean, the rumors that I'm seeing going around that Josh Rosen is going to be traded for a third-round draft pick, possibly the Dolphins or the Giants or the Redskins, that would actually be very interesting if the Giants made a switcheroo, kind of like a the same way as when Eli Manning was drafted by the San Diego Chargers and they demanded a trade with the Giants. That would be very interesting. But who would be demanding the trade? The um, Josh Rosen. Well, I don't think he would have. So it's I get what you're saying that they would that, that they would draft Kyler Murray and then Josh Rosen would throw like a, a hissy fit because he's a bratty little jappy boy, and he demands a trade with the Giants. So then the Giants, yeah, I don't. Know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I he mean, wouldn't even get the chance to demand a trade because <laughs> they would ha- already have planned would, on trading him. It at wouldn't that point. be his decision. Yeah. I'm sorry, that was just kind of like my crazy mind working all at once, but. No, yeah, you're not I, that far off from the idea that there could even maybe be like a three-way situation happening. For sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of crazy things that I think we could turn our minds inside and out on. But the fact of the matter is, the best the if 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 the Cardinals do decide to trade that number one pick, their biggest sort of you know opportunity to get a top end pass rusher has gone out the window right so someone else so then maybe you trade down and hopefully they're focusing on offensive line and that would be great but we don't have to get into the minutiae of that what i do want to do before we leave courtney is i actually don't know if you know this but i just finished watching the office for the first time ever i did all of this all the seasons so long i know that's what that's what chris said so like I had, I get, I think part of my inner, my, I knew that I was going to need it at a time in my life when I needed it the most. So the last year I spent catching up on The Office on Netflix, finally finished them probably about a month ago. And the timing has been great. Um, not only because, well, obviously Office memes are by far the most popular memes on the internet. Like, and they're the most accurate. They're just fantastic. It was like really hard for me to not know what's going on. And now I get all the memes. So that's great. Well, I mean, Michael um, Scott is one special character. He's special. And the whole show is special. I'm, I'm really, really in love with it. And I'm in that honeymoon phase of just, like, of being obsessed with all Office content because I'm so new to it. So it's great for me. And the Washington... Although I did always skip the opening on Netflix because I don't like to listen to the It's really loud. I'm sitting here and thinking, I'm, like, looking at this TV in this room, and I'm remembering the time that I had an office marathon and sometimes you know when you doze off you do a marathon and it's just you just wind up hearing dialogue and then you hear the intro and the outro music that just doubles up both the yeah. time so it's just really you're just going to sleep with 
ASMR music of the out the office. Yes, it's it's really intense. Um, so the Washington Wizards, while the uh, while the Celtics were were finishing their sweep of the Pacers, uh, they did the internet a favor and uh, decided to go on a full make a full thread of comparing every single NBA team to a uh, to an office quote. Oh God! And yes. so, like, it's you know they do the whole thing where they put the quote over the picture, you know, a, a, a screenshot from the from the show. Yeah. And they Hit did this one. for every single one of the NBA teams, and I have to say they're so glorious. I don't know if you've seen them at all, but we're pu- I'm pulling them up right now to show you because they are just like spot on. I don't know who the Wizards social media person is, but they're clearly gunning for a bigger dog because this person killed it. Just give, so anyways, me, give me your top three. So my, all right, well, I had to at least, like, a, I had to do uh, the Pacers and the Celtics because we just talked about them. Yeah. And the Pacers, so it has the logo next to it and then the scene from the show. And it's it's that scene of Jim and, you know, the tall, goofy, young guy that was, like, supposed to be young Jim at the end of The Office? Yes. I can't remember his name right He's, now. He dated me, Mindy Kaling? Yeah, no, he dated Aaron. Oh. And um, so they're talking and he's, like, they're clearly trying to, like, relate. And it's just him saying, you a uh, sports guy? <laughs> and, the, and the guy goes NASCAR, the Amazing Race, and it just makes me laugh because it's basically making fun of Indiana as like not having a being a sports city at all. So it was perfect for the fact that they just got swept. The Celtics yeah. one was amazing because it's just Oscar being adorable. There's this little keychain he's holding, and it says, "I think he's Irish," and I got him a shamrock keychain. So it's like perfect. <laughs> yes. and, I mean, it's the Oscar face, you know, where his eyes are big, and he's like all excited. Give me a Michael. I need. We need to end the show on a Michael. Uh, the best Michael Scott meme. So I'll send you. I'll give you the best Michael Scott one, and then I'll give you the Wizards one because the Wizards one they did for themselves was super epic. Yeah. Um. So the best Michael Scott one. <laughs> well, in my opinion, obviously, there's going to be people who argue this because nothing more, you know. Easier to argue than everyone thinks that they're funnier than the other but person. They have funnier. The husbands. Toronto Raptors one is Jim asking where are you going and Michael Scott saying to Canada, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like stupid open mouth face. And then finally, the Wizards close it out with the GIF of Jim going up again one on one against Dwight in the basketball oh, game yes. in the warehouse yep. and just like laying one in perfectly. Yeah. And it's really the only one that even has a GIF, and it's probably one of the most iconic scenes from the show. Yeah. So they did. Whoever did this just really nailed it. I suggest everybody go to the Wizards' uh, Twitter page and go through this thread because it's really fun. All right, we'll hit you at the end of the week with a first round NFL Draft 2019 edition reaction show that we're going to record after we watch the NFL draft together. So yeah. um, if you guys are into tweeting, we'll be live tweeting that yeah, event. Yeah, please tweet at us. <laughs> I That's always my favorite thing. Damn, you know, I really wish that I was at the draft. I just get I go, I go playoff Kyrie or playoff LeBron every time the first round of the NFL draft comes on because – it just elevates my blood and my adrenaline to another level. It's very, it's it's one of my favorite nights of the year for sure. Also, pro tip to, to the listeners: if you want to know what the picks are before they come out on TV, that's not you, allowed. Oh yeah, no, listen, it's not allowed pro, anymore. Pro tip: you you, you subscribe. Well, you you subscribe, or you know that you get the tweet alerts from Jeff Howe, the Athletic, nails it every time. Oh, so he wait, he's not at the Globe anymore, or Nessie? he's at the Athletic. So yeah, that's the inside scoop if you want to try to get that like two or three second edge on everybody else. And in the meantime, you know, we'll be prepping and be ready to go this weekend. So hopefully we won't spend the next 
500 years talking about a crazy Cardinals trade and it will be normal stuff and business as usual, but we'll see what happens. I'm really interested to see if my hot take that I came up literally on the spot in this podcast comes out. That'd be crazy. That would be crazy. All right, peace. Peace. You know that you are the Batman to my Robin? That was really cute when you said that. No, I said that about, I didn't say that about us. But you said that about John Gruden and Yeah, so who am I in this? Am I John Gruden in this or are you? If I'm the Batman and you're the Robin, I'm definitely John Gruden. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I will like I will I will take a step back and like admit that there is a lot of John Gruden in me. <laughs> That's the cutest thing you've ever said. Now I feel. I'm admitting that I'm crazy. It's no, fine. No, no, it's great. Whatever. It's great. Oh. Oh. Love you. No. No. None of that.